You know things, I know some too. Sit right down, the will explain them to you. If there's a thing you want to explain, these two feminists can entertain. Nerdy stuff, sexy stuff, so much to know. Tune in for the Femsplain Show. Hi, Avalon. Hi, Diana. Hi, Femsplainers. Uh, this is Femsplained, the podcast. Oh, it's a podcast. I yeah, see. Yeah, that's what we've been doing. <sighs> Thanks for clearing that up. Um, but so, okay, so it's a podcast, but like, what is it? Um, hard to say, uh, what we say, <laughs> let's not bother, <laughs> yeah. so don't try. <laughs> well, what we say is sometimes that this is a femmes only clubhouse podcast where two queer femme human beings named Avalon and Diana, uh, take some space to talk about their experiences in nerd culture. But that doesn't mean that you have to share our same identities to listen, laugh, live, laugh, love, learn with us. (laughs) We just thought it was important to create this space. And so we have. Yeah. Uh, And last time we had a Femsplained, Avalon went all over the place about the Wheel of Time series. (laughs) Avalon (laughs) took me on a journey through time. I hate (laughs) I hate that episode has not been released yet, but I hate that it exists. <laughs> no, it's so great. I love it already um, as I am currently listening to it to edit it. But of course, we have to do a pass the torch back and forth a little bit. But before we do that, Avalon, what has nerd culture done for you lately? Okay, so since last week, because I don't want to reiterate the same things. Uh, I I finally uh, started watching the post-quarantine Critical Roles, which oh, nice. I had been putting off. I think because I was um, watching it pretty faithfully and I would, you know, I would watch it weekly. I wasn't behind at all. And then COVID happened and I really, really wished I had it to watch because I was basically just stuck at home being miserably pregnant. And then I was stuck at home breastfeeding a newborn and it was like this would be the perfect time to have dozens of hours of content to sort of mindlessly watch so when it finally when they finally started producing it again um I let it bank a little bit because I think I wanted the thrill of the binge (laughs) so yeah well you were you were a supreme binger because you found out about that show like like well after season one was done and just went through it <laughs> I did uh, unfortunately it was during the summer when I had like nothing to do uh, but yeah in the amount of time between seasons one and two I consumed all of season one um, so yeah so I have about or I had about four episodes banked and I finally started watching and now I have probably one episode but nice yeah so I think that's that's mostly what I've been consuming. I've also been feeling, I don't really have time. Um, I do have time, but I haven't figured out yet how to be super productive while also parenting a newborn. Uh, but I've been feeling more creatively inspired by nerdy things lately. 
which is cool because I didn't have that energy for a while. And so I've been revisiting yeah. a lot of old ideas and um, kind of archiving things and, and stuff like that in preparation for doing some new stuff. So I'm feeling I'm feeling like I got a little bit of the old creative juices for the first time in a yeah. while. And you're playing some D&D too, aren't you? I am. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm playing in a campaign for the first time in a while, which is really nice. But somehow it has made me like have the itch even more like playing once a week. It's making it harder for me not to play all the time than playing (laughs) none of the time did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, we are only two sessions in and I think it's supposed to be a limited run campaign. Uh, so I don't know how long it'll go, but it's been, uh, interesting so far and our GM has never done it before and he's doing a good job. Uh, and it's interesting to see the, to me, it's interesting to see like the monsters that he chooses to insert. Like, I I like that. Like, I always like seeing like, okay, what monsters do people think are really cool or funny that they, cause you can really just put in any of them. So, uh, it's always fun to see what people choose. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's usually because they like the, the monster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, I like that. Yeah, so what has nerd culture done for you? Ooh, huh, what uh, has it done? I don't oh, know. I'm... We can't talk about that thing, though. No. Oh. Yeah, basically, I'm in a, a little bit of a uh, place where nerd culture is starting to do some nice things for me, but I can't talk about them yet because they have not been announced yet. That's so fancy. I know that is fancy. Um, It's not like non-disclosure agreement fancy, but it's still fancy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, I'm just really feeling excitable. I feel like a lot of previously undervalued creators in the sphere are all sort of like getting a little bit of a a boost in in their opportunities and Mm. it's been kind of fun to watch and I feel very excited that I might get scooped up in that in that flurry a little bit yeah Um, I'm excited by proxy for sure yeah (laughs) um oh I guess the one exciting thing that's coming up that will be happening very soon after this episode airs is that I'm going to be doing a charity stream uh, for Jasper's Game Day, uh, which is an organization that does a marathon of games for a weekend, Hmm. and all the money that's been raised goes to three different uh, suicide prevention organizations, one being the National Suicide Hotline, uh, but then two others that I don't remember. Um... But it's going to be fun. We're going to be playing a Neverland game that's D10. Mm. And the our game raised, I think, like $600. Killer. So yeah. I'm pretty excited about it. Well, um, I, I always feel a little bit, not, not bad funny, but like a little funny when I see that that's the fundraising um, target because I get paid by them so sometimes I feel like or I'm like thanks I don't know like I mean yeah, it's for the greater good but that I feel weird because I'm like oh shit like I, I accept a paycheck from them so it's weird for me to see them needing money and then me also taking money yeah 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if that's, I think that that is probably a universal experience for anybody who works for a nonprofit organization. <laughs> well, it is, like, you feel guilty. You're like, well, should I be doing this for free if people are out here contributing so much? Yeah. Well, no, they're just, they're helping keep keep you there that's, doing your thing. That's fair. <laughs> Keeping the lights on so, thank in old you. Avalon's apartment. <laughs> Thanks for fundraising. That D10 Neverland, it's all going to me. Yeah, all of it. Straight yeah. to Avalon. Yeah. But yeah, so that's that's the next big thing that I think I'm, I'm actively excited for and can talk about because it is already public. Well, I look forward to being able to talk about other things, too. Me, too. But let's talk about something right now. No. No? Why not? Let's not. Podcast over. <laughs> no. Don't podcast break up with me. <laughs> this is how I'm doing it on the podcast. On the podcast. I very easily could have not done it on the podcast, but here we are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I go through the effort of editing and then releasing. <laughs> editing your breakup. Yeah. That feels right. Just really yeah. pour salt in the wound. Yeah. Um, all right. So as we transition to the Mansplain Minute, I'm actually very curious how he's going to do this one. <laughs> oh, my God. I, it better be awful. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So we we definitely need a man to explain this topic before I You in particular. Yeah you, yeah. you need this topic explained to you. <laughs> I finally get to understand this topic. Um, Francis, take it away, old fool. Putting one minute on the man, watch and go. Neverland RPG or whatever. I get it. Everybody wants to be a D&D superstar. You all want to be the next Matt Mercer or or one of the other D&D superstars. But that's not what D&D is about, man. Whatever happened to the integrity of the game? I hate seeing all these people trying to make it big on Twitter and Twitch and it's all about likes and subscribes and that's horseshit and pretty soon the thing you love has sold its soul to Wendy's or some other corporate overlord and they're doing a Wendy's RPG and sullying everything you love about the game and it's crap so if you want to see real D&D a purer form of the game then don't sell out to all of these corporate shills Instead, tune into my stream every Tuesday at 8. I'm running a really stellar campaign, and it deserves more views. And that's your Mansplain Minute. Ha! Huh. Okay, well, as always, I have no idea what Francis is going to say at the time this is being recorded, <laughs> so I can't react to it, which is a little unfair, frankly. Yeah. Um, but it adds to the mystery of getting to listen to your own podcast. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> So Francis has said whatever he has said, and so we are talking about Neverland, the Impossible Island, um, which is a setting guide that I just published for 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, based on, obviously, Neverland from Peter Pan, which anyone who's um, met me for more than five minutes or listened to previous episodes of this podcast has some understanding of uh, my 
deep and unhealthy obsession with those things. But yeah, uh, so this is my first big publishing adventure. Uh, so I guess we're just going to talk about that. Yeah, I'm excited because this is actually a little bit less like you femsplaining something to me and a little bit more like me interviewing you, I feel like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. because the questions are so directly applicable to you. Um, what made you feel like you could actually accomplish this? Oh, I don't. And I still don't <laughs> right now. <laughs> I never did. Still don't. Uh, I am still like, I'm w- still waiting for like Wizards of the Coast to send me a message and be like, take this shit out of here. <laughs> Put it in the garbage. <laughs> Get rid of it. Uh, although they actually can't do that anymore, I don't think, because I took it off of DM's Guild and published it on Drive Through RPG, which is a fun little adventure that happened in the in the whole process of this. Well, I'm just impressed. I think fundamentally I'm impressed that you finished something because I have never yeah. finished anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, okay. So biggest challenge, maybe? Yeah, the actual publishing part, believe it or not. I thought that, I mean, writing it was challenging and formatting it was very challenging because I don't have any of those skills and I ran out of money that I sunk into this project on things I prioritized as more important uh, to that you know point. And so I had to learn to do that myself, which was a real big pain in the butt. I'm not uh, talented with HTML. I'm not talented with uh, the apps that <laughs> the kids are using. <laughs> um, I don't know how to do that. So formatting it was very t- hard. But the hardest part by far was publishing because the rules are not clear or accessible and they're they're not like spelled out for you anywhere. So it's like it's just a big web of secret rules that you have to navigate in order to do it. What do you mean by rules? So if you're publishing for um, fifth edition, which is a pre-existing system, it means you're going to use certain like words and language and things that are Mm. part of another existing intellectual property, right? Mm -hmm. So D&D Wizards of the Coast has something set up called the DMs Guild and where you can use their creative license to specifically publish content for their books and use some of their IP. They then also have a different creative license that you can use called the OGL that basically has like a stripped down version of fifth edition with a lot of the like special races removed, a lot of, um, you know, additional feats and spells removed. It's really bare bones and you can use that but you can't say that it's for D&D. You can't mention D&D. You have to do mm. all sorts of different things. So there are basically two versions of this license that you can use. And it's kind of not clear, but for using the D&D license specifically, you can publish pretty much anything except a setting. So I did not realize that at first because oh. it's not something that's anywhere um, so I had originally published it 
under the like first type of license. Um, and l- luckily, the people who worked for the website were like, "Oh no!" But you can just you can just change a few things and then put it up on this other one. Hmm. So it wound up being okay, but it did like sort of reset the project a little bit because you had to take it down and then like rework it a bit and like change some of the language and change the licensing that's on it and then you're scared that it's (laughs) still going to be wrong somehow (laughs) Um, and uh, and so then it moved to drive through RPG which is not a Wizards of the Coast property okay so so it started out on DM Guild Yes, and that's Wizards of the Coast property. They take 50% of all your sales. Ludicrous. Right. That's a hell of a percent. <laughs> I know. But they're a more popular website with a more dedicated fan base, so you get oh. more sales. Oh, yeah. I, ha- I will be very transparent right now and say that I got like 300 sales in like less than 48 hours on that site. Damn. In my like, you know, first adventure publishing. And then when I moved, I've, I'm just past that now, no. a couple months later. So it's definitely like, it's definitely highway robbery for sure. But mm-hmm. it is, um, it, there's the plus side for the publisher is that you're going to ultimately make more money, you know. Okay. So being that you had to take it down and move it, were there any penalties associated with that besides the inconvenience? Yeah. The one that hurts the most in my heart is that uh, you get like these medals for how many copies you sold. Mm -hmm. And so those like 300 or so copies are just stricken from the record. They never got, they don't count. So like I would be like two medals higher in my like bestseller status. Oh yeah. Well, you'll get there. Yeah. I think I I will, but yeah, it's sad. It's, it's a bummer, but you know, it was, uh, it was still like, I, I guess kind of, I, I like, learning that way in a little bit of a crash course even though I hated mm-hmm. it at the time it's just something that's like a little bit more of an adventure where I had to like seek out other people and be like do you know <laughs> why this happened tell me tell me the truth and um and you know I finally found some people who were willing to explain it I did come across a couple people in like chat rooms about this that were like I don't understand what's so hard what do you talk what what's hard about it right it's like oh god I hate you yeah so much <laughs> like it's, it's, it's I not. mean it, you wouldn't be navigating any kind of RPG community without having to yes. swallow some totally unnecessary condescension it's mandatory yeah um but ultimately, it got back up, it climbed back up, uh, and everything is <sighs> everything is good now. Um, but yeah, definitely, the, the actual publishing part, figuring out what the hell the rules are um, for publishing this sort of like shared IP content. Oh, and then <laughs> it got taken down again because a bunch of people thought that um, Neverland was not um public domain and so a lot of people complained and then i had to put a little disclaimer at the bottom of the 
the listing that says <laughs> Peter Pan is public domain. <laughs> I so I'm I'm not necessarily surprised that a bunch of people didn't understand what public domain laws mm-hmm. are, but I am surprised that the host site didn't know well enough to like just ignore those things or to be like okay these people making these reports obviously don't know anything so we're just going to ignore them it's weird to me that they didn't understand that it is weird however i will say that because of disney and because of american public domain laws the peter pan like public domain license is really weird uh, because everywhere else in the world, it's just public domain. You can use mm-hmm. anything associated with Peter Pan, free, whatever. However, in the U.S., the play is not in the public domain. So you can't oh. put on the play without a- obtaining license. Mm-hmm. And you can't directly take anything that's originally Disney's Peter Pan material. Right. Because that's not in the public domain. And then you can't take any of the other IPs that have come after that. So you can't take any of the names from Hook. That's why a lot of people have asked me, like, uh, is Rufio, Rufio in the game? Yeah. And stuff like that. Like, a lot of people wanted Rufio to be in the game. And I tell them, play Rufio as a character. Please do. Yeah. But I can't put him in the game because he's a, you know, a brand new intellectual property that's that's right. copyrighted. Okay. Yeah. Ugh. So it's co- it's complicated and it's one of those things that I read over and over again a thousand times <laughs> to make sure that I understood that I was doing something perfectly legal and good. Yeah. Uh, I feel like if you yeah. were to like hard copy publish this for distribution, you would probably have to consult with somebody. Not that you didn't do a good job, but it just sounds very sticky. Potentially. Well, the um, the St. Ormond Street Hospital, who are, uh, that's the organization that now owns the rights to all things Peter Pan. It's the hospital that was opened in, you know, when in honor of Wendy. They have a whole Q&A about it because it's such a common, like, misunderstanding about it. And uh-huh. they have, thankfully, they have uh, a very concrete answer to that question, which is just, you don't need to ask permission. You don't need to do anything. You just, as long as you're not utilizing anyone's public, you know, anyone mm-hmm. else's intellectual property, you're good. But yeah, no, if you wanted to distribute it, I would definitely consult. Yeah. With someone first. That is a bummer about Rufio. I know. That's like I know, the, maybe because the biggest I bummer. Always, <laughs> I know. I always put him in as like an NPC if nobody plays him. Good. Because he's just he's just such a great character, uh, in so many ways. Actually, okay, uh, my okay, my friend Noir, who is really this really funny guy, who I've been doing a lot of like little tiny side projects with and stuff. He does the uh, Doctor RPG show where he gives like like Doctor Phil style advice to your RPG characters. Mm-hmm. It's very very funny. He is about to play in a Neverland one-shot stream as um, his reimagined version of Thud, which is from Hook. It's the the 
the chubby kid oh, the one who that like rolls. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he deserves I, a better um, name than that because he's like sweeter than he is. I know. Percussive damagey. <laughs> I am so excited to see it. I love that. Um. Uh. So yeah. So that's the deal with with the weird process of publishing D and D esque things that I've learned so far. So as more people are playing it and involved in it, have you had the opportunity to just completely voyeuristically see other people run it and play in it without participating? Yes. Yeah. I have just recently gotten that for the first time uh, a couple weeks ago. I've heard people tell me like stories about playing it Mm -hmm. in like private games, but I just got to see a stream. Somebody did like a hybrid of the Neverland setting and um, another game called Dungeons and Doggies, I think it is, where you play like you play like cute animals, uh-huh. um, like pet yeah. <laughs> animals. Uh, and they were in Neverland. And that was I mean, it was like a lot of adorable, like all in in one place. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of layers. <laughs> it was a lot of layers. It was yeah. very cute. Um, and right now I'm kind of having a little bit of a heart attack because a couple of cosplayers that I really like who are like, you know, definitely people I, I've elevated to idol status. I saw them engaging in a conversation about playing it oh. and I have not stopped thinking about it ever yeah. since that. Um, I saw it was LARP House and Momo O'Brien. LARP House is like, I, I found this this person because they like do Peter Pan cosplays on TikTok. Oh. <laughs> and like, and so I was like, wait, what? And then um, Momo O'Brien, who is like this uh, LARPer cosplayer who always does like, pastel and bright colors in her LARP costumes as like a fuck you to the gritty aesthetic nerds that like, you know, put all feminine things down. I kind of really dig that whole vibe that she's going. Anyway, I don't expect that they hear this podcast ever. In fact, kind of hope they don't, but if they do, I have not stopped thinking about it till I, since I saw that tweet where they just said, like maybe they'll do a game. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, I can't breathe!" Uh, so that would be cool. Awesome, that's very exciting. All right, what's like the biggest? Yeah, the biggest thing that's come of this for you, like the thing that's made you feel the most like, "What the fuck is happening to me right now?" <sighs> a couple of like really, really accomplished people that. I've been fans of have been like, this is good. And I'm like, what (laughs) are you lying to me? John Scott Tynes, who's like a a publisher um, and game designer who is like, I, I don't even, he's like out of this world. And a couple of other like writers for wizards of the coast have, have reached out to me and been like, this is great. And I'm like, well, Where's my job? <laughs> Where can you give me? <laughs> yeah. um, and just like, I don't know, I, I recently 
recently a bunch of people like retweeted it and started being like, I'd love to see this cast play in this and I'd love to see this cast. And like that kind of thing happened for like a few nights. And it was like, I don't know, that part was pretty cool that people would like, we're talking about like how they'd like to see it. And I don't know, that, that was pretty much it. That's super cool. Okay, so to what extent do you feel like you owe the success of this to Twitter? <laughs> um, I feel actually weirdly very little. Oh, good. Um, I just thought it was yeah. funny that that was what we were mentioning, the little, the discourse that came of it. Yeah, yeah. I think that while Twitter helped a lot, I think that I see the biggest uptick in sales whenever I post about it on, on Facebook. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And the biggest uptick in sales was actually when I got to the front page of the website. Like whenever it gets to the front page of the website, then it explodes. Um, I am surprised Facebook. I'm not surprised website. I don't know. I think, I think that like Twitter is, has probably gotten me a lot of emotional support about it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, like people have really like, verbalized that they support it and that they love it. But I feel like actual number of sales wise is definitely more, um, more Facebook. Well, what else do you want to talk about about? I don't want to lead oh you too much. No, I love it. It's exciting. Being well, there's like stuff questions. I know that I'm trying to figure out how to like phrase a question that I organically get you to talk <laughs> You're about. It. Trick me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't have to do that. You can just tell me. What should I say, Avalon? What should well, I say? Well, I am interested to hear more about uh, your process for consulting on the project and why you went about it the way that you did. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good question. So. I mean, it, it was like probably the most obvious thing to me, and I hope it is for most people that, that you know, the original Peter Pan's big glaring problem it was, you know, the stereotyping of Native Americans, which Disney then set on fire and made way worse. So that it's like it's always got this horrible thing in the source material. And like, obviously, I was like, well, I want to take that out, but... I didn't want to take it out callously or like wind up, you know, throwing characters away that in a, in an insulting way, or like just, you know, any number of things that me being well-intentioned, but not of that community would not know really what the right thing to do is. Mm -hmm. So when I had like basically a rough draft of it done and was going through the editing process of it. Um, one of the things that I did was I reached out to a consulting agency and I asked them like who I should talk to. And they found me someone who specifically does consulting for, um, indigenous representation. Mm. So basically had a chat with them about, you know, my concerns and and what I was hoping I accomplished and uh, wanted to make sure that I accomplished. And, you know, they gave, you know, they went and read through it, gave me their thoughts. And also one of the other things that we discussed was how to use the project to give back a little bit, you know, because as much as I love this project, I don't love that 
it has specifically caused pain to, you know, specific group of people. So, so they basically recommended a couple of different charities that they found were not only legitimate, but did the most, you know, the most good work, uh, actionable work. And uh, so we settled on um, the Native American Rights Fund. And so basically the first uh, like $600 in sales wound up going to that organization, which is the most money I've ever gotten to donate to anything ever. I've never gotten to do that. It was really exciting. They sent me a letter. Oh, I was, I've never gotten to do something that positive before. So that was, you know, there was a little bit of a selfishness there too. I felt really great being able to do that. And uh, yeah, so that was like really grateful because it's like, it's kind of, I, I know uh, there are some people that don't understand like the value of, of consultants and things like that, but there's just, you just can't know every perspective. Like you can't, you can't know it you know no. and and trying to pretend like you can or pretend like you can read enough about it to get it is you know I don't that know. should it's be just... a red flag for you if you feel like you don't actually have to talk to people who have had a specific experience <laughs> that you haven't had yeah you, that's a red flag for you yeah exactly so um I, I don't know it was just valuable and also like you know kind of gave me confidence too in posting and publishing it because I just felt like you know I was not going to cause harm with it which is like one of the big fears of publishing something too is that you put something out there and you know it it hurts someone you don't want to do that either or I hope that other people think about that they but don't I do. but I'm really glad <laughs> that more people are starting to certainly yeah yeah for me it's just you know if I if I put something out there that hurts someone feelings it's a bad feeling I don't like yes. that so yeah. um so that so, was great okay yeah. so if somebody is looking to publish or share something that they've spent a lot of time creating what would you say the order of operations could oh, God, or should yeah. be for going about this consulting process. Yeah. So I think that just based on, and, and this, I didn't do this in the way that I would do it on a repeat round. I would have probably hired someone to consult with before I got started Mm. because I, I think that I'm very uh, uh, lucky that, you know, there wasn't much that they were, you know, unhappy with or needed changing. But if I had gone through the entire drafting process and they were like, oh, throw this whole stuff out, like that would have been a real big heartbreak. Yeah. You know, so I think that next time what I would do is I would have somebody involved like at the outlining process Mm -hmm. to like identify any flags at first, something that could be a problematic area and then also have them look it over later when it's you know, when it's more fleshed out. Yeah. Um, I think that, and then like, yeah, yeah. The value of it at that outlining process too, is not just, you know, it's early enough to catch things, but also 
to consult on maybe the the things that are missing that you wouldn't have conceived of adding in the first place, like maybe positive representation pieces that, you know, um, might yeah. have felt uncertain or uncomfortable or you wouldn't have had perspective on. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So I think that sometimes people avoid consulting because they don't want to have their hand slapped or they don't want to have it pointed out to them that they have done something negative, but it's also an opportunity to create positive collaborations. Yeah. Oh my God. A hundred percent. And you know, it just, uh, I mean, it just, it just makes your work better. Mm. Like that's certainly there, you know, there's nothing, uh, there are really are no downsides. The downside I think is when some people are, you know, finishing a fully published book and then at the last second, they hire yeah. a consultant to read it over and say, well, whatever you have said about it, we can't do anything about because, yeah, <laughs> yeah that that doesn't work. You have to actually have time in the process to, to make changes that they suggest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a willingness yeah. to actually and a willingness. <laughs> use that feedback. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, it can't be used as an afterthought. I mean, yeah. So what are some things not to do? Uh, to sort of uh, alleviate your concerns about not being woke enough. So not paying somebody, for instance. Yeah. Oh, my God. Not paying somebody, um, you know, uh, or expecting someone to read it for for free. Mm -hmm. I think also a lot of projects are right now are really small. Neverland, for instance, is really small. It's a one-person job. Uh, it's a small, relatively small book. You know, I didn't have a Kickstarter to fund it, so it's all funded out of my own pockets. If there's ever an instance where somebody's not, you know, being paid for something on your project, that has to be extremely clear from the beginning of anything that's happening with it. And I think that regardless, like, some kind of credit or appreciation needs to be given to anybody who, you know, who helps you Mm -hmm. uh, in any way. That said, I think that consulting is definitely like a necessity on the checklist. I think that if you have to sacrifice art, which I know no one does, to make that happen, like that's definitely gotta be like the the bigger priority. Mm. Don't just expect stuff from people yeah i would say don't like track down somebody that holds a particular identity and expect them to have that conversation with you oh yeah yeah (laughs) yeah 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 like well oh god yeah can you tell me what's wrong with my product which is something i see people do like out in public (laughs) all the time it's like can you read this and tell me what's wrong with it yeah exactly no. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, no, not, not cool. Basically anytime you're expecting someone to, uh, correct your mistakes, um, you should be paying them. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, well you mentioned art and that was kind of also on my mind. So what was the process of collaborating on art? Like, um, so fun, actually. So uh, I have three art pieces for Neverland. I wish I had so much more, but as previously stated, I ran out of money. <laughs> so the biggest 
piece that I commissioned was from um, uh, Kelsey Michelle, who is Tough Tink Art on Twitter and Instagram. And it was like kind of a match made in heaven. I didn't realize this when I first messaged her uh, to ask about her commissions. I just messaged her because I saw her commissions were open and I liked some of her pieces. Mm -hmm. But then, like, as soon as we started talking, I started following her on Twitter and realized that she's like a Tinkerbell fanatic. That's hilarious. Yeah. I know. And that she, like, cosplays Tinkerbell and, like, does a whole bunch of, like, Peter Pan-inspired art projects and cosplays and stuff. And I was like, what? How how did I just, like, stumble upon the most perfect person? Right, yeah. uh, By accident. Uh, So she did the cover... Which was like, I don't know. It's like I kind of gave her the most vague idea of like the Jolly Roger and fantasy creatures. And she just like absolutely knocked it out of the park. And then uh, I searched around for um, for artists that I thought would be appropriate to do um, to portray Lily, who mm. is definitely not Tiger Lily. But I did not want her identity erased or for her to be, you know, become white to not, you know, be a stereotype. Yeah. Um, so the artist, uh, Animation Art, who did that, actually, like, took inspiration from uh, different kinds of tribal outfits and put them into her, um, into the art for Wendy and Lily. And made it like, I don't know, just a lot, uh, you know, really simple, nice. And um, and it was like a cute little couple's picture of them as a uh, as a married war couple. Yeah. Um, and then the third artist is a, a person who actually kind of came to me, which was fun. Hmm. Uh, this artist did a drawing of Pan while listening to one of our streams Mm. and sent it to me on Twitter. And I just, I mean, I loved it so much, not only because it was beautiful because, but because it was like kind of the most meaningful thing someone had done for a project I was working on at that point. And so I just asked them if I could pay them for it and have it. Uh, And I'm very grateful that they said yes. So that's uh, Glimmer on Art on Instagram. So those those are the three people who were gracious enough to do art for this project. I wish I could have hired all three of them to do maybe like four other projects each. Yeah. Um, to really fill the setting out. But, you know, that's just not possible. What was uh, the whole playtesting process like? Because to me, like, um, that was the most impressive thing I knew about you doing as you're still creating it in terms of attention to detail and care. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I come from like a yeah. sciencey background. So sort of the idea of the trial, you know, and testing it, I think is really cool that you did that. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, like a lot of things, especially with like, with game mechanics, a lot of things feel like they're going to work. But then when you get to the table, I mean, I mean, Frankly, though, I feel like that's going to happen anytime, anywhere, because there are rules in 5th edition that I just throw out on the fly because 
I've decided that they no longer work for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so like, I feel like there's always going to be that kind of flexibility, but, uh, but you know, you want to avoid that as much as possible. So, you know, when I have a general idea about what the setting is going to be and what the, you know, rules are going to be for certain things. And then we start playing it. And I have that one last chance to see it being rolled out, see if the players look confused and give me this like, <laughs> you know, what? Um, and see if it results in total failure uh, and see if it needs to be tweaked that one last like, like uh, time. So, so that, I mean, that was, um, you know, I think you need to do considerably less when you're working on a rule set that's already been, you know, tested and established. Sure. But there were a couple of sections of rules that I did make up of my own, like the memory loss uh, mm -hmm. table for Neverland and um, flight and, co you know, combat flying and things like that. So there's there are a couple of things that were specific to, you know, to my original um, writing that I needed to test. Were there any um, things that really needed to be changed or any anecdotes from playtesting? <laughs> um, I would love to say no, nothing. <laughs> Everything was perfect as I wrote it. But, uh, yeah, there were some things that I that I had included in like the first, the lowest level adventure of the game mm -hmm. that were too many like lore steps ahead and like, mm. you know, really like wound up taking players through too much danger before they really had a chance to level up mm. um, enough to get there. So like in my mind, like the, the early level adventure that I had set up originally felt not interesting enough or not like exciting enough yeah. when I wrote it down on paper. But then when I saw it being played out, I was like, well, I need to tone this down because they're <laughs> going to kill die. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like on paper, it felt like I was being, I was holding back, but really I was, um, I was going too hard. Yeah. I have run into that with regular campaigns. I could, I could definitely yeah. see that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very, it's very helpful. <laughs> um, I'm so sorry that I can't remember the name offhand. I thought I had written it down. Um, but what's the, oh shoot, what's the like creative thing that you have people do with the book? Like the drawing, the like fig figments? Oh, figments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Yeah. So this is my favorite thing from the, from the book is the creatures from Neverland are, are figments. And this is something that's that's mine. Uh, I get to say is mine. It's Yay. not Jan Barry's. It belongs to me. Um, so now it's no one else can do it. <laughs> no one else can do it. Watch it. Uh, but no, not actually. Um, in fact, I I'm really excited about seeing other people do it because basically what I did was I I created some of these of my own, but then I included a chart on how to kind of get started in mixing and matching these creatures. So in Neverland, Neverland is fueled entirely by like the, the collective imagination of everybody that's on Neverland. Mm -hmm. But because Neverland erodes people's memories from before Neverland, 
their memory of animals and creatures and stuff is all going to be kind of wrong uh, in some way. So when these creatures come into existence, they're not completely the way that they were. They're figments of your imagination, essentially. So you wind up having uh, maybe a turtle, but there is something not quite right about them. Uh, or it is a, a griffin that is also part dragon that is also part fox or whatever yeah. you know and like has different things so like chimeras um, sort of yeah, yeah yeah exactly um or it could be more subtle so like uh you know on the chart you could have like a creature with the limbs of another creature or you could have a creature that just has the you know the speed of a different creature so mm. you can have like uh, a panther that go can only travel at like 10 miles an hour <laughs> sure. or you know or a turtle that's so fast yeah <laughs> a speeding turtle so you can kind of mix and match as many ways as you want and um people have uh just recently been sending me their mix matched uh figments which mm-hmm. i love 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 that's awesome I know that we talked, I don't remember if we talked offline about this or if it was on the last podcast episode, I think it was the last episode, in terms of how being successful and accomplishing something shouldn't mean that you have to do the next thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Um, we talked about that briefly last time, yeah. However, (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited for you that I'm going to make you talk about next things. Do you think that you would get more fulfillment or feel more creatively inspired by doing a whole nother little standalone or digging further into like a version two of Neverland and the Impossible Island? So I'm torn uh, (laughs) because there's a part of me that really wants to drop a Kickstarter to make Neverland like a, a fuller yeah. and more solid. I think book. you should have done that yesterday. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I really, really want to do that. Um, but I don't know that I actually can. Mm. I don't know because I'm confused about <laughs> the rules. <laughs> I have no idea. So I I may talk to a few people about like what you can do if you want to do something like that. If not, you know what? It's it's not a big deal. Um, But that's definitely an inkling that I have. The next thing, and this is something that'll go live after um, the charity stream, is that I'll I'll release that conversion table for playing Neverland in a in a D10 mm-hmm. uh, setting, which is not a big deal, but it's a little bit of a there are a couple of little tricks to uh, to changing things, um, and so yeah, I mean, if the Kickstarter idea does not pan out, which it probably won't, because I'm sure there are some rules that I would be breaking by doing that. Um, if that doesn't work, then, um, I think it'll just be on to the next thing. Mm. I I don't know what that is yet. (laughs) All right. Well, I want you to do that. (laughs) 
both. I want to see all the things that you want to do. But specifically, I want you to have a version, too, where you feel empowered to, like, you know, create more of it. So there's more there to mess around with. I know, I know. And I would love it. I would have, like, so much art and I would have yeah. a team of editors. And I would have many writers writing. So many ed- formatters. Formatting so, and writers writing. So many people doing so many jobs. Oh, God. No, Somebody you did give great. me a budget and I would own. use it so well. Yes. Um, but alas, no budget. <laughs> so when are you going to do a more like open-ended Neverland live game so that everybody can watch people play it all the time. Um, when someone else agrees to DM it. Because no! I... But it's all in your brain. <laughs> no, that's why I wrote it down. I know. <laughs> I know. I just really want to, um, I really want to be able to play in more games because I just it's just been like an endless stream of me DMing yeah Um, and it's not that I don't love and appreciate that I do so much but I am I don't know just so into the mere idea of sitting on the other side of the table (laughs) I think you totally have earned that and then some but somebody would have to be confident to a fault to (laughs) run (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> run someone's game back to them. I would be terrified. Oh my god. Could you imagine? No. That would be terrifying. <laughs> yeah. But like I but I, I am acknowledging that while with also having the knowledge that I'm not judgy at all. No, you're the least that, judgy, but it would still be terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I literally wouldn't care. Yeah. Um, I think that you would be so tickled by any creative initiative. Oh my God, I would love it. I love it. So, so some of the things that people say to me about this project, as you imagine, some of the things can be pretty irritating. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> but most of them are not. Most of them are, are great. So some of the messages that I get, which I love, are telling me like about the parts of the game that they're going to like keep and the parts that they're not going to keep, like, well, people will tell me, like, I love this part. I'm going to take that for this game. I'm oh, going to yeah. use this in it for that game. Like, people will tell me that all the time, and I love that. I think that's the best. What I don't love is when people are like, you made a mistake here, by the way. It's like, <laughs> it's like well, that's, like, your opinion, man. Yeah. Uh, no. I did did most of this stuff on purpose. Could you imagine um, doing that? I could not imagine. Where? Why don't any of these people have anxiety? I don't know. But I, the distribution of anxiety is not fair. No, it's not. <laughs> I clearly have too much of it. But some people do not have don't enough. Don't have enough. Yeah. No. I'm going to message this person and tell them that their published project isn't correct. Yeah. Like, I... And, like, not about something hurt. You know what? Like, if, if it has something hurtful in it, you message me. You message me right oh, away. Oh, sure. But, yeah. But just to be different. like, this this game is wrong is, yeah. like, the weirdest messages to yeah. get. Um, a lot of people are very upset with me because I did not include 
challenge ratings for... Who the fuck even uses challenge ratings? I think anyone who says that they do is lying. Yeah. Um, frankly. You get so burned uh, by them. Yeah. It's nonsense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I did not include that because I don't find it helpful or useful at all. And calculating it is garbage. And so some people messaged me to tell me that I forgot it. I said, oh. no, I didn't forget it. I hate it. I, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I said, fuck challenge ratings. Yeah. Excellent. You should put that in the, like, forward. Yeah. When I drop the Kickstarter, (laughs) the tagline will be, fuck challenge ratings. Perfect. Oh. Well, I want to see it played more than just the play test. Me too. Well, all right. My, My deal for you is, if no... If Matt Mercer does not decide to run a game in Neverland by next month Jesus. when I'm done with the charity stream. <laughs> That's pretty ambitious, but sure. Yeah. No, I feel like I'm really close. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, if somebody doesn't decide to do a stream that will be, uh, you know, available for people to watch, I will start putting together a new one yay and it will be a lovely romp and maybe maybe just maybe we'll be able to get v bars to play D D again because I, yeah. I miss him so i think much. between that and the matt mercer thing i'm not really sure i know which it's feels really more likely I but just... i would certainly love to see both or either of those things mm-hmm. <laughs> Is there anything else about it that we haven't touched on? Oh, my God. Probably. There's just so much more I would have loved to include in this if if other iterations of Peter Pan were also in the public domain and I oh, could get yeah. away with it. Yeah. Like, so much. I mean... Honestly, I could have gotten away with like stretching it so far to get Rumpelstiltskin in there because of the Once Upon a Time collaboration of Peter Pan and Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah. Oh my god. I would have done that. Definitely wouldn't have put Blackbeard the pirate in from that awful Pan movie mm. that should have burned <laughs> to the ground. <laughs> should be buried in a lot. Uh, with all the forgotten video games. Um, let's see. Do you have any, do you have any, uh, I, you know, Glenn Close. Could have put Glenn Close's character. Yeah. In there. Yeah. Boo box. Oh, could have put the boo box. The boo box should be in there. Surely Spielberg won't care about the boo box. I am sure Spielberg (laughs) cares plenty, but I encourage anyone who's playing the Neverland game to homebrew themselves a boo box and put it in this game. Absolutely. <laughs> Ugh, what else can you not do? I, I get really stuck on Rufio for sure. I know. It's awful. I cannot believe he died. Like, I still, I know I've seen Every that movie a hundred times. Every time I see it, I'm times. like, I cannot fucking believe that they killed that character. I cannot believe they did it that in a movie. It is harsh. That I, yeah. Like, 
It wasn't just like a death scare. It was like a full no. 100% he died. Yeah. I was very young when I saw that movie. It was very harsh. And death definitely did not seem real there. It seemed like sort of a, a suspension in some way or that there was some kind of a reset button or something in this. Well, and also it just didn't seem fair. Like the pirates were getting like chicken eggs thrown at them and stuff like right. they, they were, you know, they their stakes were much lower. I guess Hook died, but I've always, aside from the book. I don't even I don't know feel if like that's true. <laughs> That's true. Because <laughs> the no. alligator's jaws don't even close at all. It's just like no, straight down on top became, of him and then a belch. And then he became gaseous? Like, yeah. I don't, I don't, it's not clear. It's certainly not getting stabbed through the chest no. and having a gasping last breath I in know. someone's and arms. Like, regretting that you never had a father figure? Like, woof. What? I know. <laughs> Jesus. What? I. Yeah, that really, I mean, I mean, thank you for the emotional growth that uh, I <laughs> was able to, to you would acquire not have from. Otherwise. <laughs> yeah, no, that was the only thing that showed me emotion. I think probably the biggest loss for me about you not being able to use Rufio as a character is not just how great it would be to see him there, but I, he needs a backstory so badly. Yes. It's like a gaping yeah. hole in. <laughs> yeah, in the hole. I could have written that. <laughs> yeah, and I I would love a solid Rufio Black story. Yeah, except you know what? I'd fan fiction it too much. I'd retcon so many things. I'd give him a I'd give him a father. Give him a dad. <laughs> well, I'd ruin I'd ruin oh. the story. <laughs> Just well, he finally for joy. got a dad. Well, oh. but that also complicates. Yeah, Pan in your world is not yeah. maybe the best guy mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh but i want that i want that as like an addendum or yeah. a, a secondary adventure i want a rufio backstory or like the time that rufio was in charge of the island i'll just write that fan fiction i can knock that out tonight yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> start typing i will i'll get to it nice yeah, so I'm trying to think of other other non non J M Barry Peter Pan um, stories. I mean, there's Finding Neverland, but that's too meta. Yeah, I wouldn't. No, can't put the author of the original story into the story. No, Once Upon a Time. Yeah, that's a really good one. I mean, but it just it. It just goes and it gets too. <laughs> it gets too much. It gets too yeah. much. <laughs> it goes way too much, too far. But in my head, Captain Hook so in hot. my book is as sexy <laughs> yeah. as Captain Hook is. That's like the reason why it doesn't matter that the show goes so far off track. Yeah, so it's the only reason we're all just watching for that guy liner. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I had to stop watching when Frozen was introduced because then it was too much for me. Yeah, that's about when I fell off, too. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. I know he's out there. And that's all that matters. That actor? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's out there somewhere being hot. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's it. It gives me comfort. Oh, well. Yes. Yeah, thankfully. (laughs) Oh. Well, I'm so proud of you. It's so cool. It feels... 
It feels like not a real thing that a real person was allowed to accomplish. <laughs> it just seems fictional to me. It seems so wild that you did this. I, I, it feels really wild that I've finished something because I've never yeah. finished anything in my but life. But like while having a full-time job and stuff, not, you know, it's not been your... Yeah. Not just that, but um, I, I guess this is the one thing that we're leaving out is that mm. I've done a classic Diana during uh, the publication of this. Which is that halfway through writing it, I accidentally deleted the entire file. Great. Yeah. Which is something I've done in the past. I wrote a whole novel when I was in college. I wrote a whole first draft of a novel. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) And like, I just did not have my computer plugged into a a power strip, a, a surge protector. And... And what, you never saved it? You just wrote it in one sitting? No. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, it just uh, erased like almost uh, the entire project at one point during a power outage. And then I just I just gave up after yeah. that. I was just like, well, I'm never I'm never going to I'm going to pretend this never happened. That's the correct you know? response. How, yeah. I mean, how else do you process that kind of loss? Yeah. So this happened and um, basically it just added like six months onto this project because this happened like right before Christmas and I had done so much. Uh, I had I had been I was like almost done pretty much and I erased like half of it in just a blunderous moment. And then and then I don't know. I, I I had to like walk away from it for, for like three months where I just didn't, I was just like, well, I guess I almost did that. Huh? I almost did. I almost <laughs> published a book. And then, <laughs> and then I had to, um, and then I just had to do it. I don't know. I got, I got my motivation back somehow. I can't even really explain it. I'm not going to say it's growth. I'm just going to say it's like, <laughs> ex- I, I, like really big rage of, of, of needing to have done this before well, good I for die. You. Yeah. No matter where it yeah. comes from. I think that's awesome. And not yeah. only did you re redo it or get back on the horse or whatever, but relatively quickly, like your morning period was pretty short. It was, it was much shorter than all of my morning periods over ridiculous things. Um, usually are. And then I, I really, I guess, you know, it's, it's, it was helpful that I didn't let too much time go because the material was fresh in my head, yeah. thankfully. Um, and I got it out and I got it done and, and thank goodness. Um, the hardest part really was that I had, had deleted a lot of HTML too. And, oh, and that yeah. part made That's me worse. cry because yeah. I don't understand how that works. So I had to do that over in like painful steps why is there html Um, involved so i made it using the home brewery because i don't know how to use photoshop or or um acrobat any of those other things yeah so i used like an open source html guide that like lets you format things that are common in in dnd like tables and stuff that's a hell of a choice (laughs) (laughs) i understand why you made that choice but that's a choice. <laughs> yeah, I probably made things much harder for myself. I would think so. What are, uh, who are your three favorite NPCs in your book? 
in my book. Um, okay, so Toodles, Smee, Toodles, Smee, and Tinkerbell are my three favorites. Well, that's... Okay, not Tinkerbell, because that's too obvious of a kill. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I like her. No. (laughs) Uh, Okay, all right, all right. Smee, Toodles, and Slightly. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) You have to do it. (laughs) It's like when I had to do it with Wheel of Time with the characters that I never bothered naming. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So, so I have to bang Smee because Smee is my self-insert character in this and I need to know what that would be like. Interesting. Um, Okay. Yeah. Uh... Uh, gonna kill slightly because he's super annoying. Okay. Uh, thinks they know everything. Um, not a big fan of that. And then, uh, marry Toodles. Because, you know, sweet, nice, gentle, kind hearted. Uh, give me three more. Uh, <laughs> empathetic. Nonviolent. Not three more characteristics. Give me three more NPCs. Oh. <laughs> I get to keep yeah. naming adjectives about doodles, though. Um, all right. Three more NPCs. Uh, 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 okay. So we'll do Queen Mab. Oh, yeah. Wendy and Lily. I was going to do Wendy and Lily, but I couldn't think of a third that made sense with them. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I interacted with all of those characters. You did. You did. So I can do this one, too. I'm going to kill Wendy. Yeah, it's fair. Um, <laughs> although, to, to be fair, there's nothing, at least in our campaign, there was no reason not to like her. It's just that my character didn't. So I'm just going to yeah. go with that. Yeah. Uh, hmm. I guess fuck Queen Mab. Mary Lily, but I, I think I could flip that. Well, you know what? Lily's a good mom. So yeah. That's nice. Like that, you know, good parenting skills. Uh, Queen Mab. Definitely. I, I, I would definitely go in that direction. Okay. Because you got to know. I've got to know what it's like. You know, right. I with a fairy creature. At least like in the short amount of time we interacted with her in the campaign you ran for us, she oh, yeah. she seemed really nice and likable. She didn't seem too um, fae-ish in, uh, like, the untrustworthiness kind of way, Which, but it may have gone that way. It's just not what I had experienced. So yeah. it feels yeah. like she was marryable, but perhaps she was a little bit more fae than I realized. Yeah, yeah, you know, could turn on a dime. Yeah. Um, yeah and I can't I can't really include Pan in one of these no it's too too complicated yeah I can't yeah (laughs) I guess you could do like this Pan Pan Hook like if you had like a bad guys sort of Pan Hook and Croc are the (laughs) three main yes (laughs) those are the three (laughs) 
Mary. Buck crack right away. Hook. Kill Pam. <laughs> yeah. Or kill Hook, marry Pan, because Hook will just show back up in his quarters the next morning. I mean, then you're going to have to kill him again. There's no loopholes here. There's loopholes. No, you have to kill him every day. I just found a loophole. If you have to be married to someone every day, you have to kill him every day. <laughs> you don't have to remarry the person that you married after the day is over. But you have to maintain the status of being married. I the did state the deed. Of marriage. I did There's the a state of marriage. There's a state of death. And then the fucking is not the same as those two. That's it's a one-time. It's an action. That's it's a not one-time. an action. I'm not, responsibility. I'm not responsible for the laws of the universe. Yeah, the Mary isn't like, have a wedding with. Yeah, but you signed a document. To croc. <laughs> well... I think that uh, I think that that's all the fuck Mary kill for <laughs> Neverland that's that fair. I can come up with. Um, Avalon, what are you going to do after this? Eat dinner, um, and then what are you having? I'm not sure. I think something fairly unexciting. Nice, good. <laughs> and I'm going to hang out <laughs> with that. the old Robin. Aw, how is that Robin doing? Really good. Great. Yeah. Uh, I am going to uh, play around. What am I? Who am I kidding? I'm going to play Dragon Age because nice. I'm back on that again. Nice. So, yeah, that's what I'm going to do after this. Good. Well, I guess I'll talk to you next week about something. Something. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Uh, and we have, we have homework coming up. Oh, uh, so my homework for you, cause I'm, I am oh, reading right, right. the first in the wheel of time series. I want you There's to make nothing up. That you, so- that's too much. It's so many hours that I don't know how you're going to do. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm listening to it on tape. So it's not that bad. It's still like 40 hours, but yes. Anyway. Eh, whatever. Um, but you need to make me some figments. Oh, yeah, I'd love to. Okay, good. Great. <laughs> Except that means I have to go to the PDF, and I don't want a PDF. I want a hard copy. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm working on it. Okay. <laughs> All yes. right. Bye. Oh, wait, no. Where can people what? find us? Oh, right. <laughs> and where uh, can they find you- your book? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I don't know. There's too many numbers and dots in that uh, URL. But if you go to superdillon.com slash Neverland, you will find all of the places where you can find Neverland and associated Neverland content. If you go to superdillon.com slash femsplained, you can find all of the places where we are, including Twitter and Instagram and uh, Podbean and um, YouTube and stuff. Um, we are on all those places. You're probably listening to us on one now. Um, and we will be streaming also this weekend, I think probably a little something, something, but it's stupid to announce that because this is three weeks in the future. Yeah. (laughs) never mind. So we also, (laughs) so we also stream on twitch.tv slash super Um, occasionally. 
Um, yeah. To promote this episode, however, we are going to stream a one-shot <laughs> run by Diana Yeah, Neverland. Run by Avalon. Run by Diana featuring me. Avalon and Francis and somebody else. Oh, my else. God. Oh, my God. I would love Just that the so tiniest one-shot. I love it. Okay. No, absolutely. Absolutely <laughs> done. Love it. I win. Um, okay. Well, that's that's it. This is a fun episode. Later. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, bye. I'm going to do it right bye. this time. Bye. <laughs> bye.